Hi, everybody, and uh, thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, which, by the way, I always say this is much more than a daily report. We are not a newsletter. uh, We communicate thought leadership on various strategic topics uh, through, yes, our reports, but also these podcasts, uh, webinars, and live events eventually. Anyway, along with our chief strategist, uh, Shelley Cohan, by the way, also a professor at the Fashion Institute of Technology, we welcome you to our conversation uh, today on the topic of organized retail crime takes a bite out of profits, saying it's lightly, on the topic of, uh, and more worrisome, is the impact on employee and shopper safety. This is really a, um, a, a kind of a dark topic, but boy, it's got to be yes. confronted, right? I mean, and, and nobody seems to be doing, everybody's talking about it, but I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go through some of the solutions. Anyway, um, you know, Shelley, we literally spent over two years talking about inventory from oh my God. 2020 <laughs> to 2022. <laughs> too much stuff, not enough, in the wrong place, and a clogged up supply chain. CEOs like Pete Nordstrom um, discussing SKU rationalization. And now we have another unfortunate trend that is keeping CEOs and CFOs up at night. Um, You know, in my first quarter earnings reports, um, CEOs are... uh, talking about the rise in organized retail crime. And I am hoping that we, we, we do not spend the next two years on this topic because not only does it eat away uh, at already squeezed margins, but it puts employees and customers at risk. So, you know, the National Retail Federation, NRF, uh, shows that uh, retail loss is a $95 billion problem and growing. Uh, Organized retail um, um, crime is estimated to be nearly half, half of that amount. So, you know, the rest of it, you know, individual uh, associates uh, taking stuff home while paying for it and uh, random uh, stealing of, 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 of products and so forth. But half of it is organized retail crime. About 70% of retailers believe the threat of ORC had increased during the past five years. This, according to the 2022 National Retail Security Survey. So, Shelley, well, most of our, our audience understands organized retail crime. For those that need a brief introduction, can you tell us? what the um, characteristics are of ORC. Well, Robin, sure. I mean, organized retail crime is, well, just that. It's highly organized theft. It kind of runs like a business. And here are some of the characteristics. The first characteristic is that it's large scale theft. So I'm talking about cargo theft, like literally stealing a shipment from a truck or a ship or grab and runs where there's massive quantities, like a whole tea stand of denim that's, you know, 
taken from a storefront um, and put into the back of a car. And there's also targeted items that fill demand on a black market. So here are some stats from the NRF and a K2 integrity retail crime report that was actually just published in April. So estimates of losses from cargo theft alone in the United States range between 15 billion and 30 billion annually. Wow. And between 2019, so pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, so 2019 to 2021, incidents of cargo, cargo theft have increased 84%. This is wow. according to CargoNet, a cargo theft prevention mm. and recovery network that spans United States and Canada. And in 2021, Union Pacific Railroad Company reported a 160% annual increase in rail thefts. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's really bad. And one last point I do want to make specific <clears throat> to cargo theft is that this is an area where it has the highest level of employee collusion, mm. meaning that because you have to have some type of insider information, so yep. either freight container, what's in the freight containers, logistics routes, what are the security um measures, procedures, and what are the schedules, there's a high, higher participation rate of employees in these thefts. The second characteristic of organized retail crime is that the stolen goods are resold on <laughs> other e-commerce sites, flea markets, now even social media, and on the black markets, and companies do this for financial gain. So there's new legislation that's coming out there that's with this, but this reselling for financial the second characteristics of organized retail crime. Boy, I'll tell you, you know, um, it's crazy. You know, the passing of the information, the Inform Act, which goes into effect uh, this month on uh, right. June 27th, right? Yeah, uh, will require online marketplaces to verify uh, the identities of high volume third party sellers. Uh, you know, this will hopefully at least slow down the resale of stolen goods on large e-com sites and marketplaces like eBay, Craigslist, and other large scale marketplaces. You know, this is crazy. The NRF, is, the NRF has been a voice of the industry for this initiative and has worked hard to get this law passed. But, you know, I mean, just step back and think about it. It's like uh, we've got uh, organized crime is a disintermediary. And they're, they're taking okay. stuff and building a whole new industry. Anyway, maybe we'll get to, to more of that later. Um, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And actually, yeah. here's a fun fact, Rob, and to lighten up our mood <laughs> a little bit. Um, about the NRF is that they actually purposely built their corporate offices in DC so that they can be close to Congress to help advocate yep. on re retail legislation issues. So, um, but going back to these characteristics, the last major characteristic, and probably this is the most concerning, is that organized, organized retail crime is considered a gateway crime. What that means is that organized retail crime leads to drug, gun, persons trafficking, and supporting terrorist activities. So Boy. it's for this reason that the NRF has had the ear of Congress 
which we'll talk about later, but here are some examples. So in the ORC crime report, it showed that organized retail crime actually serves as a source of income for street gangs. Wow. Which yeah. often compel juveniles to partake in organized retail crime as part of gang initiations. But between 2014 and 2016, there was a senior member of a group street gang in Southern California who orchestrated in two years a series of smash and grab robberies that netted value of six million dollars. So these were jewelry um, grab and runs. And so that gang was able to get six million dollars in revenue over two years. It's it's just crazy. And yep, there's yep. another example in the crime report that talks about an enforcement official that referenced an investigation that revealed a particular drug gang. So this gang, which sold drugs and narcotics, actually earned more money from <laughs> organized retail crime than the sale of illegal narcotics. Oh, my God. I, you know, it's, it's really hard to uh, get your head around this. So, but, and Shelly, we should also be clear about the point that ORC is uh, clearly different than uh, shoplifting, you know, which is taking something from retail for personal use and not paying for it. Uh, but the difference with ORC is it is large scale and resold to others for financial gain and also helps fund other illegal activities. Exactly. So Shelley, you know, <clears throat> CEOs like Doug McMillan, um, uh, Walmart, uh, Brian Cornell at the Target, Dave Kimball, Ulta, you know, they're all talking about ORC in the um, Q1 earnings call. So there is certainly a rise in this illegal activity. According to the um, NRF uh, 2022 National Retail Security Survey, organized retail crime incidents rose 26.5% in 2021. And, you know, it was Walmart's CEO, McMillan, who warned us last uh, December 2022 that rising theft could lead to store closures and price hikes, right. which is major, major negative. If all of this ORC mess is not enough, there's also a rise in violence and aggression with these crimes. Right. And particularly post-pandemic, with many retailers being largely concerned, you know, with the safety and well-being of, of the, their employees and customers. It's so true. And it's interesting Ron, and when you talk about some of the retail workers that are literally on the front lines, so while companies will tell associates not to approach an act of organized retail crime mm. while it's happening, which, by the way, is the right thing to do, meaning do nothing, yeah. right? right. Many, many retail workers also criticize the company for doing nothing about ORC. So here, here's a quote from real retail workers where... They're saying, we know who the thieves are because they come in every week. They steal large quantities of product, but <laughs> we're not allowed to approach them. So they're just getting away with it. So you and I know, Robin, that the company is protecting 
the workers, of course, and that's the right thing to do, but something has to be done to kind of change that worker perception too. And by the way, these thieves that go in and do these gravity runs, they actually know that workers are being told not to approach them. And yeah. they, they put this on social media and it becomes a best practice on how to steal. <laughs> you know, it, it's but, really sad. It's sad. So what it, yeah. whether you're a shopper or an employee, you know, if you end up being a part of an organized retail crime incident, it can be very jarring mm -hmm. and it completely impacts the shopping environment. People don't feel safe. And of course, in addition to the safety issues, which is foremost the greatest concern, of course, you know, stolen goods yeah. in high quantity impacts the gross margins, as you alluded to. It hits the cost of goods and the goods are not available for shoppers to actually buy. And to further exasperate the issue, because the goods are stolen, the system shows them in stock. So they're not <laughs> replenished until right. the full inventory corrected. Oh, so, boy. you know, and one last point about employee theft. So employee theft used to sit around 50% of total inventory loss. Well, that number has gone down to about 29%. And guess what? External theft is way up at close to 40%. That's inclusive of organized retail crime. Yeah. You know, uh, Shelly, as ORC climbs and actually seems to be accelerating, the expense to protect the merchandise becomes more costly, um, you know, whether it is investments in physical uh, measures like, uh, you know, I don't know, tagging goods, lanyards, uh, technology like RFID, um, locking cases, et cetera, or investments in security guards, for example, all leading to the potential for retail prices to rise to cover these added costs. A conundrum. That's right. Yeah. And, and you had mentioned Dave Kimball earlier. He's obviously the CEO of Ulta Beauty. Um, but he said in his earnings call, which just happened recently, that they already started locking up fragrances, which is a highly demanded theft item. And the company is adding more security in stores and they're adding more workers to stores. So, you know, Ulta Beauty just landed a amazing Q1 performance with sales up 12.3%, which is amazing. Um, certainly no slipping of consumer demand at Ulta Beauty. Yeah. But but the margins are being hit and they're down. Yep. And it was mentioned that part of the reason that the margins are down is because of organized retail crime. So it's literally taking a bite out of profits. So Kimball says he plans to be personally involved in strategies to reduce the impact of organized retail crime. And, you know, it seems to me that retail CEOs are turning from managing inventory over the past few years and skew optimization. And now they're really focused on organized retail crime. You know, it's really a shame when you've got CEOs like uh, uh, David Kimball, uh, you know, uh, Brian Cornell, uh, Doug McMillan, a whole bunch of them are really, you know, adapting to the new world and, and, and they're doing it rapidly. And for them, you know, to have to spend enormous amount of time on this problem is just incredible to me. So, you know, and forget 
profits and margins. I can't believe I just said that, by the way. Um, retailers are packing up and leaving towns because theft is such a big problem. Look, look what is happening in San Francisco. Companies um, leave communities and take along with it tax revenues, jobs, and being part of a community. Shoppers have to order online to get goods, which negatively impacts the environment. It is a real ripple effect, Shelley, on the community um, where retails operate. Here's what Brian Cornell said on the earnings call they recently had. He said, as we look ahead, we now expect shrink will reduce this year's profitability by more than $500 million. This is compared, obviously, to last year. And while there are many potential sources of inventory shrink, theft and organized retail crime are increasingly important drivers of the issue. And then he went on to talk about some of the investments they're making into preventing these types of crimes. And he also said, quote, we're also focused on managing the financial impact on our business so we can continue to keep our stores open, knowing <clears throat> that they create local jobs and offer convenient access of products to essentials for yep. customers. So Target did have an increase in gross margin in Q1 at 26.3% versus 25.7, but they had some positive factors like lower cost of goods, higher prices, but he also said that organized retail crime negatively offset some of those favorable margin points. You know, based on um, the recent study by the NRF and K2 Integrity, the ORC groups are getting more sophisticated, which is keeping retailers and law enforcement, you know, on their toes using a technology, AI, chatbots, and on and on and on. Well, social media certainly <laughs> boosted, you know, organized retail crime participants' ability to survey best practices, show videos on how to, you know, thwart the anti-theft devices. They're using Facebook, Craigslist. Unbelievable. All to either fence stolen goods or to teach people how to steal. And, you know, the other major issue in terms of organized retail crime is that there's not this like national database of information on ORC. Most law enforcement authorities don't even categorize or track ORC as a specific category of crime. So this kind of lack of information and data collection across retailers is problematic in terms of devising solutions to ORC. Retail communities are really acting in collaboration, but they don't have enough aggregation and collection of data. Yeah. You know, they're building, you know, this is like building a university um, to, to, right. to, uh, to, to spew out MBAs, you know, for, for crime. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, so, Shelly, I agree. Typically, retailers are very competitive and don't share uh, secret sauce, but... You know, but there is a richly developed asset uh, protection community and advances um, uh, procedures, advanced procedures for stopping ORC. I mean, Sachs and uh, Bloomingdale's, uh, right. Bergdorf Goodman, Nordstrom, Cartier are all working <clears throat> side by side to combat the problem, but they need help with law enforcement and the communities. 
Yeah, definitely. And I do agree, Robin. I do think the asset protection community is very tight and they do actually work together. And some other solutions might be, you know, further legislation, like there's a new act called the Combating Organized Retail Crime Act, um, which would actually help provide retailers with that national database of information. So they would consolidate the data, making it a powerful tool in the prevention of organized retail crime. Yeah. And there's also a lot of technological efforts that can aid in the reduction of organized retail crime, whether it's facial recognition, um, artificial intelligence, data collection and aggregation, RFID, serialized inventory. So being able to track specifically where specific products are going. You can do full product scanning at POS. Um, And also even when we talk about RFID, maybe organized retail crime will be prevention of that will help other retailers actually roll more RFID out. Maybe there'll be a cost save there that actually benefits the retailers. There's also license tag recognition, which, you know, you, you when you do easy pass and all that, you can clearly read, you know, license tag. And a lot of the retailers have advanced weapon detection. So there's hmm. tons of like technology out there to support stopping organized retail crime efforts. And, you know, the asset protection community is strong. They work together and they will help reduce the barrier for all retailers. You can also use cameras. So now a lot of the traffic counting cameras used watermark video footage mm. that mm. can help retailers when they go to court. So a watermarked video stands up in court, um, but retailers really have to have the courage and culture to prosecute. That's a big key point here. There's also um, collaborations with law enforcement, trainings um, on safety, apprehension, prosecution, training with store employees on de-escalation efforts and anti-theft techniques um, also would be uh, helpful. And one last thought on potential solutions for retailers is that for retailers to have their own organized retail crime teams within the retailer that specifically only work on ORC cases. So according to the National Security Survey, only 32% of retailers actually have a dedicated team that works on ORC. Boy, a lot of work needs to be done. And you know, Shelly, um, we often pull back to a, to a 50,000 foot view of the macro situation, right? And so what we have to ask is, how much does technology not only make ORC possible, but in fact, because of its incredible ability to integrate gazillions of tons of data, you know, for solutions of enormous scale and creation of entirely new uh, concepts. So, you know, I said something about this earlier. So you look at the global narcotics industry, one may ask a seemingly ridiculous question. One of the major drug cartels is going to go public. Think about that. huh? Oh, I obviously man. exaggerate to make my point. So the question, are we seeing the rise of a new industry? Currently, um, Shelley, that may be a big stretch, but stuff like uh, generative AI and uh, the genius minds that created it are now asking for regulations because because of its existential threat 
to the human race. You know, nothing is surprising anymore, Shelley. And, you know, and on that happy note, let's wrap it up. <laughs> well, certainly, Robin. For our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and, of course, the RobinReport.com. Look for us on YouTube where we broadcast our podcast as well. And please follow us on social media. Link in with us for the latest thoughts about the industry. And I want to thank everybody once again for joining us. Um, I think you've learned a lot, Shelley, and I sure have. And um, one last point, which I always make, is that if you guys have any topics uh, that you're thinking about that you would like Shelley and I to cover, uh, just shoot me an email, uh, robin at therobinreport.com. And thanks once again for joining us.